What's up, what's up, hustlers? You know what it is. It's your boy, JT. And I want to tell you guys about Anchor by Spotify. It's the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need all in one place. Here's how it works. Unless you record and edit podcast right from your phone. That's literally what I'm doing right now. Then you can distribute your podcast to the most popular listening platforms with a single tap. It's also the only place you can publish video podcasts to Spotify. That's major. Anchor allows creators to earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. Best of all, it's totally free. Download the Anchor app today or go to anchor.fm to get started. Let's go! Hello and welcome to the Income Autopilot Podcast, Episode 5. This is the show that teaches you to stop working and enjoy life while money works for you. What we're going to talk about in today's episode is what does poor people know, all right? And of course, I am come from a low-income environment, so don't take this as a shot. But what do poor people know that keeps them from getting rich? I know that sounds super ironic, um, but as I've been saying ever since episode one, that you don't have to be perfect to be profitable. Yet I know far too many people that until they know everything A to Z, until they have every dime of the money that they think they need to accomplish that goal, they'll never get started. So I want to really elaborate and go even deeper on what I mean, because I do know a lot of people that tune into this podcast, you might be traveling, you might be working out, you might be doing something and you just want to also feed into your mind so that you get into a better place at the same time. So that's what today's episode is. What do poor people know that keep them from getting rich? And these are things that they believe to be true. These are things that they believe to be positive things that they believe to be wisdom that, in fact, is a barrier that will more than likely keep them from ever making the amount of money that they deserve to be making, all right? So um, let's get straight into it. So the first point I have, and I did an entire episode on this in this last podcast episode, episode four, for those of you that want to go back and hear my long-winded dissertation on this, is some money is better than no money. So they'll tell you, hey, listen, um, you got responsibilities. So if that means that you got to pick up trash, pick up cans, be a janitor, whatever, whatever, just to make ends meet, uh, that's what you have to do. Now, what I will say in the same breath is that there is a time and a place for everything. So, for example, as of this recording, I have a five-year-old daughter. If I had to go be a janitor at a high school, uh, I personally, um, hold on. Let me not cap in my raps. I don't think anything is wrong if somebody else that had a five-year-old daughter wanted to go and become a janitor just to make ends meet, all right? And that's not to say that I'm better than anybody that's like that, but I don't want to even pretend like that's an option, all right? A lot of you all know my backstory. I went broke. I went homeless. I got job offers for $60,000 while I was living in my van, and I turned them down. And then they even followed up and tried to even sweeten the pot for me even more. I still turned that down. So me personally, I think about entrepreneurship differently. Um, So while I don't expect you to think how I think, I can respect the fact that if you say, I'm going to have to do what I have to do because my mom need me, my kids need me, whoever needs me. 
Um, so what I'm really saying when I say some money is better than no money is that if you're going into that situation out of necessity, you need to have a very firm end date. You don't stay on that for years and years and years with no plan, with no set end date. And that end date need to be six months or less. Some money is not better than no money. The reason, again, and we're not going to recreate episode four, is that it puts you on the hamster wheel of poverty. You make just enough money to pay bills, take care of your responsibilities, and be back broke again by the next payday. So it's like, imagine if you got a, a fire going on in your house, and Every so often, before the house gets out of out of control with the flames, somebody will come with a jug of water and pour you a cup full of water, and you never put the fire out, but you keep the fire under control. So picture, if you will, that visual in your mind. Your house is on fire, but right now, it's a manageable fire. A cup of water can keep it at bay. It's not going to put the fire out. It's not going to solve your problem completely, but it'll keep it manageable, all right? That's why some money is, is not better than no money. Two things that you should never be at the same time is broke and out of money. That's one of the many models that I live by, all right? If I'm broke, trust me, I got a whole lot of time. I'm going to make myself have a whole lot of time if I'm broke because I need time to strategize, network, plan, research, do whatever it is that I got to do so I can learn how to not be broke. If I don't have any time, best believe I'm making enough money doing whatever it is that I'm doing so that eventually I can buy back my time. But I'm never going to be broke and out of time. I'm never going to work a ton of hours doing a job that I hate just to make enough money to pay my bills and be broke again. It doesn't make sense because time doesn't stop. So while you feel like you're maintaining, you're getting older. And especially for those of you that are employees, you already know this, but you're only an asset until you're not. So once you get a certain age and now you expect to be making this much money, but you're not as strong as you used to be, you're not, uh, your mind isn't as sharp as it used to be. Well, guess what? Now it makes more sense to lay you off and hire somebody in your position that's 10, 15, 20 years younger than you that's willing to work for ten fifteen thousand dollars less than you they're stronger their mind is sharper and everything that we perfected over the years of working with you training with you you've taken initiative and in putting things in place to make life easier for yourself well we're going to retain that ip and now we're going to use that to train the next person behind you that's perfectly legal there's nothing you could do about it most people's 401k plan is underfunded all right so even if you retire out of the game, but let's go to point number two. If you want to know more on that, check out episode four of the Income Autopilot podcast, because I'll get back on that soapbox and we'll be on it for an hour. Second thing that poor people know that they think is wisdom, that they think is good advice, but it actually is keeping them from getting rich or in. Uh, the reason why this is important, because I know somebody out there says, JC, I don't even want to be rich. Well, guess what? Most people's purpose, first of all, they, they never find out what it is because they're so busy maintaining, they never have the opportunity, the interest, the time, or energy to identify why God created them and put them on earth. So most people don't know their purpose. 
Beyond that, people that do, by the grace of God, have the opportunity to identify their purpose will find that their purpose takes resources, part of which may be money if you're in a capitalistic society and if you have a big enough purpose. All right. Because lots of times you might have a purpose and a vision that other people don't have. So they're not just going to volunteer to be a part of your ride for nothing. It's not in line with their purpose. It's not in line with their vision. Now, if you can compensate them for their value, definitely. All right. My landscaper doesn't cut my grass pro bono, nor does he cut my grass just because he wants my portfolio of real estate to have nicely manicured lawns. All right. So my landscaper cuts my grass because one, I am one client that's going to give him several jobs. So I'm a consistent income stream for him Two, the personal reason why he's doing it is because he's already retired out of the education system. He, he did landscaping for college for many years. He has the time in to retire, but at the institution that he was employed at for 30 some odd years, if he waits till he a certain age, he'll get more money. So that's a nugget. One, I am a convenience to him. One client, several yards. Two, he has his own end goal. He wants to get the maximum amount of money in retirement. Well, in between the age that he is now and the age that they require him to be, he has to do something to keep the bills on. All right. So I'm able to incentivize him with money to fulfill my own purpose. And the same thing will be true in your situation as well. All right. But that's why it's important to become wealthy, to become rich, because you may now, because this is how I thought before I got to a certain level feel like my purpose is to take care of me, my household, my immediate family, right? Me, my household, my immediate family. But once you go deeper and and really ask yourself, God, was I created to take care of these 10 or less people? Because for most people, it's 10 or less people. If you have a significant other, if y'all have kids, Mama, daddy, grandma, right? If you have a good relationship with all of them, assuming all of them are alive, right? But most people will say, hey, if that, 10 max people that I am responsible for, all right? Now, some people's calling, some people's purpose may be to help thousands of people, millions of people. I had a conversation not too long ago with a fellow entrepreneur of mine, actually multiple several entrepreneurs of mine, because um, we were talking about high ticket sales. And did I think that it was unethical to charge people uh, like some people do $150,000 for a mentorship, $20,000 for a mentorship, like five and six figures? And I said, no. If it's legitimate information, if the value is going to be 10x or more what you pay, you don't know what that man or woman's purpose is. God might have called that man or woman to help a billion people in a positive way and bring them to the awareness and the glory of God through whatever means they do that. At. That could be by feeding them first. Right. That could be by educating them first. That could be by clothing them first. That could be by giving them some sort of financial relief first. All right. 
I'm unapologetically a believer. I told you guys that from episode zero. All right, so you knew out the gate that everything was going to tie back to this anyway. But going deeper on that, that man or woman's calling may require them to have more money than your calling. Maybe you're not even self-aware enough to know that your calling is going to require you to spend six figures a year. Every year to the day that you die, just to get as close as you can to fulfill your purpose. All right. What I believe my purpose to be, and I say I believe because as you mature, as you experience things, as uh, I like to say, as God allows things to come into your awareness, your belief system will change. How you look at situations will change. So I believe at this point that my purpose is to positively impact 10 million people per month, whether that's through social media to include this podcast, whether that's through my short films, my books, any other outreach efforts, any other things that come into my awareness in between now and reaching that goal. So if I want to service 10 million people in a positive way, in the Bible days, right, Jesus healed the sick. He fed the hungry. I, he gave wisdom to those people that inquired. So what we call that in business is a lead magnet. Now, a lot of people don't like to mix the two, but I believe that the Bible is a tool that can help you in every area of your life, including in business. So uh, a phrase that I recently coined was, I'm a business believer, all right? Meaning that I'm unapologetically a Christian, and I do think that I can apply some Christian values into my business and apply some Christian wisdom into my business, all right? So second point, Rich people not paying taxes is a bad thing is the second thing that I have on my list. And I have 10 of these things. And that's one of the things that poor people know <clears throat> that keeps them from getting rich. Let me say that again. That's another thing that poor people know. They look at it as a bad thing that keeps them from getting the resources to fulfill their purpose or that keeps them from getting rich, wealthy, whatever is necessary for them to fulfill their purpose. Now, understand this. Are there certain people that break the law and just try to avoid to pay taxes? Obviously, right? Nobody has to tell you that if you're a mature adult. However, when we're looking at a lot of these highly successful entrepreneurs, they understand that the tax code has incentives that if you do this, with your money, they'll incentivize you with tax breaks, tax deductions, tax cuts, whatever you want to call it, depending on the nature of what you take advantage of. If you're an employee that comes from an employee mindset, which is where I came from, I felt like, why is it that people that make that much money pay less taxes than me? Because, air quotes, common sense says that they have more money than me, so the government should require them to pay more money than me. I want to let you know common sense is how I went broke and homeless. What I learned as an entrepreneur that I did not know when I was in the employee realm is that your paycheck is your share of the profits that you agreed upon from said business. 
that is important to know that your paycheck is not a reflection of the value that you created for that company. That is just a reflection of the agreed upon profits that you agreed to accept in exchange for your time and services at that company. It doesn't make any sense for me to pay you $100,000 a year if you're only going to generate me $100,000 a year. All right? I mean this with respect, but I like to put real-life analogies out there just so you guys can understand. I am going to do a meeting here soon as I drink my tea. I ain't no pun intended. I am taking a meeting here in a few days with a phenomenal entrepreneur who honestly is at a point where she just wants a break from the the chaos that sometimes surround entrepreneurship. All right. She's really strong in a lot of areas, but she doesn't want all of the responsibilities of everything is on her, at least at this time in her life. She wants to take a break from it now in the future. She might return back to it once she gets, you know, re-energized and wants to jump back out there. Or she may say, you know what, my purpose is better suited in this capacity, right? That's up to the grace of God and time uh, to, to see how that pans out. In the meantime, she wants to render services to other entrepreneurs help them get organized, help them create better systems, help them create new ways to monetize, connect them with the biggest brands in the world that have worked with her in the past, and help them grow their business in the interim. While she decides if this is what she's going to do for forever, do something else, whatever, whatever, right? So we discussed it. She wants to make 30000 a year, $2,500 a month. This lady is capable just off of the one task that she's going to manage, systematize, organize, not the other brands like the, I don't know if I can even say their names, but if if you ever need to go work on your house, the those big companies that are everywhere that sell you the materials and the tools and whatever, right? She's partnering with companies like that, all right? And in the future, if I could speak the names of them, I will. But um, my favorite color is orange, right? Random fun fact. You do, uh, you put that together however you want to. But going on, right? So if she just does one of the tasks that I have at hand, that task without her is already a $15,000 investment slated to make $119,000. With what she's bringing, that $119,000 play that's already in the early works without her now becomes a $250,000 play. All right. So she's adding roughly an additional $130,000 to the pot by the value that she's going to bring. The resources, the awareness, the experience. She did this before at a higher level. Easily, right? She wants to make $30,000 a year. She immediately pays for herself. What does this have to do with rich people not paying taxes and people looking at it like it's a bad thing? Guess what? Hiring her 
becomes a tax deduction for me. So not only did I go from being able to make 120 grand minus the 15 grand it will cost me to run the play. So I go from making 105 grand net profit after all expenses. Now it's a $250,000 pot. I have to lose 30,000 for the year and pay in her. So now we're at 220. I still lose the 15 grand, right, as well. So now I have $205,000. I have a $45,000 tax deduction. And I can reinvest that $200,000 so that way I can avoid paying taxes in this year because you get taxed on your profits which is why your paycheck has all those taxes coming out. And by law, if you're an employee, your employer has to take those taxes out. All right. So that's why you see all those taxes come out. Your paycheck is your share of the profits. Now, for me, I could take that two hundred and five thousand dollars and I say, you know what? I want to invest all of this back into doing this same play on a bigger scale. If 15 grand brought me 120 grand and then me adding her 30 grand a year value got me to 205 net profit, let's put the whole 205 in it and now let me make a million dollars next year. And I'm able to do that because I can push off my tax burdens by reinvesting the money. The government wants me to provide jobs. It wants me to provide housing. All right. Money has to flow in order for an economy to thrive. What do most people do when the economy gets uh, tough, whether it's the world economy, the national economy or their personal economy? All right. They tend to get liquid and hold every dime and they start playing defense. They're playing not to lose instead of playing to win. All right. And that's when the economy starts to tank. But as entrepreneurs, I can keep my money in motion, all right? That's why we're doing the Foundations of Wealth Conference where we're talking about how can you have a recession-proof foundation so that way no matter what, you're good. So rich people not paying taxes isn't a bad thing. You just have to understand that there's a difference between revenue and profits, that $205,000 is going to be revenue in. If I keep it and don't do anything with it and then it becomes profit, of course I'm going to pay out that big old tax burden. Also, this is not CPA advice. You don't got to take my word for it. Go consult a, a certified tax professional, right? Get you a personal accountant, talk about it, right? And ask them, is revenue and profits the same thing? Are you taxed on revenue or are you taxed on profits? Simple question, all right? I'm just telling you guys, uh, what I've learned from dealing with CPAs, but my CPAs don't know everything, all right? So consult your own. Find somebody you trust, all right? I'm just a guy on the podcast, all right? This is not business advice. This is not tax advice. This is motivation to hope better your situation, all right? So rich people not paying taxes should not be viewed as Mr. So-and-so is taking advantage of the system and they should go to jail. You should look at it as how can I at my level, because I don't have as much money as Mr. So-and-so and Miss So-and-so, but how can I at my level reduce my tax liability legally and ethically? 
Can I create more opportunities for more people through employment? Can I create more affordable housing? What can I do? And when I say what can I do, that doesn't mean you personally. That means how can you go out and partner with somebody that does this for a living, pay for a consultation, take notes, right? I always recommend you go see three to five different people. You compare value and price with what your needs are, and then you make a decision. So you don't go meet with the, with the first financial planner, the first CPA, and then close a deal. You go there with questions. You get all your questions answered. You pay for that consultation. You do that at least two more times. <clears throat> for some, they're doing it for price, but what I recommend is that you look at the value. I don't mind paying a little bit more. All right. I tell my friends this and they laugh at me. I say, you know what? I can't wait to be in a financial situation where it costs me two million dollars a year in order to run my entire operations and live. Because I'm thinking about how many people can I bless. This is not two million dollars that come in my bank account and stay there. This is how many families am I helping? How much good am I spreading in the world? So, yes, I'm spending that every month, but by investing that in my company, my brand is getting bigger. All right, Grant Cardone, who is super famous for his talks on real estate, said that when he rented out uh, and did his event at the same weekend as the Super Bowl, people thought it was crazy. That event went dumb, sold out, 10X conference, and then that opened up opportunities that now his brand Right now, his brand is able to be leveraged so now he can get booked for conferences at six figure plus rates. All right. And he did all of that by investing back in his brand and was able to now have brand equity that he could pull out of whenever he needs to. So rich people not paying taxes isn't a bad thing. They just know the game that you need to learn. As a nine to five person, you think that it's unfair only because you're playing a game that you don't know the rules to, all right? If we're playing basketball and you're the only one that knows the rules and I have a problem because every time I try to pick the ball up and run down to the end of the court and score it, you call travel, and now I got to give the ball to you and you bounce it and go make the layup, of course, eventually I'm going to get frustrated. Why? If you never explain the rules to me, if you just say the object of the game is to get the ball in the basket, right, and I don't know any of the rules, I don't have any of the abilities, all right, you don't have to be a LeBron James to beat somebody in basketball that don't know the rules or how to play basketball. Same thing is true with money. You don't have to beat people uh, financially by being a Donald Trump or a Warren Buffett or a Ray Dalio of money. If they don't know the rules, simply knowing the rules is enough for somebody to 10-zip you in a basketball game, all right? Somebody can 70-zip you in a football game simply by if they're the only ones that knows the rules, but yet you're held to a standard as if everybody knows the rules, guess what? You're going to be caught in violations right and left. But because it's not volunteered to us and we look at education as a hassle and not an asset, we 
run away from financial literacy opportunities or financial literacy experts in certain areas. All right, let's get to point number three. Business is risky and a job is safe. Business is risky and a job is safe. People feel that way because they don't have any understanding of business. Here's my business 101 crash course. A business is a way that you take the value that you already have and you disseminate it out at a greater magnitude. Let's say me personally at the house, I can make the best, I don't know, I'm just come off the top of my head, I can make the best steaks on the grill ever. I start a business, JT Steaks. Now I can open up multiple locations across the nation. I can share my recipes, share how I make it, share my systems. And now I can provide the whole world with the best steaks they're ever tasted. All right. I had the value prior to it. You don't start a business to have value. You need to already know what your value is and who finds it valuable before you jump off the porch. That's why step one is always financial literacy. All right. Deeper than that. All right, because I want to be as simple as possible. You don't sell items for your benefit. You sell items for the benefit of the purchaser. You don't come buy my stakes because you love JT and want me to stay in business and want me to make millions of dollars. I don't know about where you were raised or how you were raised and the financial literacy of that environment, but I was raised around the environment where if people saw you doing something entrepreneurial and felt like or knew that you already had money, they would say crazy things like that person already has enough money. So we're not going to go patronize their business. They already got money. We ain't going to that restaurant that they just opened up. I heard they already had money. They they own some real estate. They, they got an insurance policy. They did this. They did that. Hating. All right, that's the slang term we call it, hating. But then you won't go to that restaurant and support that local entrepreneur because you heard that they're doing good and their prices are a little bit higher, but then you'll go to a Roof Chris. And then when you go to Roof Chris, you don't just go there. That's all over your Instagram, all over your Facebook. You're giving them all the free marketing in the world. But then you go complain at JT Steakhouse and say, man, how much money for a state? How much money for this? How much money is that? All right? That's because we lack the proper understanding of business. All right? We think everybody is our customer. Everybody is never your customer. This podcast is going to be disseminated across several platforms in audio format, and there's going to be visuals available for it as well on multiple platforms. So while... Millions of people will have access and the opportunity to listen to this podcast. And if they gain just one nugget of life-changing information, it was well worth the hour or however much time they spend listening to this episode. This podcast is still not designed for everybody. If you don't believe in God and his goodness and his grace and mercy, right, while I hope to, to change your mind, we're not going to change our message to accommodate how you feel. So if you're adamantly against the goodness, the grace, the belief in Christ Jesus, God, this ain't for you. 
Am I upset if people cut it off? If I'm up, am I upset upset when people say don't talk that God talk? Am I upset if people say I'm gonna unfollow you and do this and do that? Not at all. Why, JT? Because if I go to the Lamborghini dealership and I say this is an amazing, brand new, whatever year we're in, up-to-date model Lamborghini, I'll give you, let's say the price tag, say half a million dollars. If I say, man, I'll give you $40,000 cash for that right now, or I'll give you $75,000, $80,000 cash for it right now, what you going to do? Lamborghini not going to barter with me and sell me a half a million dollar car for $80,000? I ain't talking about putting $80,000 down and trying to figure out how to finance the rest. I'm talking about cashing it out. I own it free and clear after this one transaction of eighty grand. It's not going to happen. Right? So if Lamborghini is not mad, if you're not in a place to receive the value of Lamborghini, nor is Rolls Royce, nor is any other high-end, prestigious brand, whether it's clothes, cars, food, shoes, you name it, all right? There are certain places that if you go, I don't know if you all ever been to a villa, but one of the things that I plan on doing one day, and I'm already pricing it with my team, is to take the majority of my family to a villa, all right? A villa is 20 grand a week, a small villa, at least where we want to go. All right, I want to go there for at least two weeks. All in, this vacation gonna be close to six figures. Two weeks in the villa, forty grand. Then we need flights. Then we need vehicles. Then we gotta eat. Then we doing souvenirs, right? And and it's a moment. We taking a team with us of videographers, right? Gotta document it for inspirational purposes only. All right. Now to some people. Insane, waste of money, crazy, right? But I could never do that on a job, all right? So to me, having a job is risky. Business isn't risky once you understand it. This podcast is for business believers. Are those men and women out there that aspire to become business believers, this podcast is for those men and women out there that want to have assets working for them so they don't have to work as much as they may currently be working. If you don't have both of those boxes checked when you tune into this podcast, I'm grateful for your time, but it was not designed for you. Not saying that you're not welcome to stay. Not saying that you can't get value out of it. All that simply means is that you leave. It doesn't matter. If you ever dislike any of the conversations, it doesn't matter. All right? Because it wasn't designed for you. Now, maybe it'll never be for you. And if that's the case, cool. However, I do have a target audience in mind that when they come across this message... It's going to change their life. All right? Now, I don't know who that is or when they'll receive it, but my job is just to put the message out there. So understanding business. Again, what's your value? Who cares? 
That's the first two things you need to know before you ever get an EIN number, an LLC, business bank account, ask about raising money, credit, all of that. What's the value? Who cares about it? Right? I'm going to create a podcast for business believers, and I am going to teach them how to create assets that work for them so that they can work less. And now that they have more time, they can walk more in their purpose, which is the reason why God created them. That is the purpose of this podcast. If if you're not somebody that is in line with that and you get value out of it, cool, but that is what this podcast is. All right, so understand that. First two questions in business to reduce the riskiness of it is understanding What's your value and who cares? What's your value and who cares? All right? Secondly, how can your product or service be the middleman, be the bridge between where they are and where they're trying to go? All right? Instead of convincing people why they should want to lose weight, right? Why not find people that already want to lose weight because they want to fit in that wedding dress, because they want to take their shirt off and have six-pack abs this summer, because they want to reduce their high blood pressure or whatever numbers that the doctors say they need to get under control or else they're going to go on medication, right? You just be the bridge. You don't create the desire, all right? You don't incentivize them to have the desire. All you are are the bridge. That's what makes business easy. And you do that proactively, not reactively, meaning that you do that before you start. You don't start a business, wonder why you don't make any money, and then try to scramble and figure this out. Because that's why most businesses go out of business. Let's go to point number four. It takes money to make money is another thing that poor people think they know, but in all actuality, is keeping them from making any money. The real truth of the matter is that it takes value to create value. It doesn't take money to make money. Case in point, one of my good friends is a real estate investor with, as of this recording, over 60 properties in his own personal portfolio that he owns. All right. So he shows me his portfolio. He tells me how he structures his deals. We network for a period of time. He says, hey. I would like to keep you in the loop to let you know, as I do deals, this is the opportunity. This is the terms. You don't have to take the opportunity, but if other people take the opportunity, I want to just show you without without providing their personal information, of course, but I would like to show you how it panned out for them. So person A gave me this in this period of time. They received that. It's all through attorneys. This is the collateral. This is how it was backed. This is how it's structured. Why? I just want you to know this because I know that you want to be a real estate investor. Catch it now. Catch it now. This friend of mine already knew that I wanted real estate to be my rock solid retirement foundation. I love media. I want to be in media for forever. But whether you want to listen to me, watch me, or listen or watch to any of my shows that I might not be the face, of, the face or voice of, but I'm going to own it and produce it, is yet to be seen. 
you know, we keep God first, we keep grinding, maybe. But time will tell. But what I do have even more faith in than that is that people are going to always need a place to stay. Right? I don't think that they're going to build rocket ships fast enough and ship us all to Mars and the moon fast enough. And even if they do, we're going to still need a place to stay once we get there. All right? So, that being said, I really, truly believe that that's going to be my retirement. I want to retire at 50. My friend, knowing this, says, I want to put you in an environment for free. Catch it now. For free. So that way you can learn a better understanding of how to get to your goal faster. So he didn't convince me to want to invest in real estate as part of my retirement because I'm an entrepreneur and I'm not going to have any company backed, sponsored by whatever, whatever sort of situation. Right. It was my decision. I could have said that I'm going to create my own uh, self-directed IRA or whatever investment account and put money into it and invest in the stock market and that's going to be my retirement. Or I could have said, you know what, I'm going to invest in this business and franchise it out or that business and do it that way, right? No. I personally, on my own accord, decided that real estate is how I wanted to retire. So what he did was identify the value that he had and who needs it the most? That's step one now. That's a nugget. His value is his knowledge, his experience, and expertise in real estate. That's his value. Who needs it? Real estate investors and motivated sellers. Right? That's who needs it. Why do they need it? It's none of his concern. I want to retire at 50. All he is is the bridge over. So how does this story play out? Let's say roughly a year and some change. I say, you know what? I'm tired of sitting on the sideline. I've learned a lot. I've actually applied a lot of what you said on my own. And I want to do business with you. I find you to be credible. I like, know, and trust you. That's a nugget. People going to spend money over and over again with people they like, know, and trust. All right? So I like, know, and trust you. You're credible. I know you know what you're talking about. Beyond me taking your word for it, even though I like, know, and trust you, and I believe you're credible, you have collateral that even if you're wrong, I still profit. Ooh. Ooh. Catch it now. The collateral is first investment was $53,000 backed by a house that as is was worth 90 grand. He got it from a motivated seller. Uh, junkies were breaking into the home. They were shooting up in there. It was needles all over the floor. The area that it was in was in the middle of the hood. So even if you fix the house up, the reputation of that area was that was where the dope fiends were. Heroin addicts, crack addicts, you name it. Anything under the sun, you can find it there. It goes down there. The average middle-class family don't want to stay there. The average low-class, uh, excuse me, the average low-class family don't want to stay there. They might be forced in that environment because financially, that's the only place that they have the opportunity to stay. But unless they partake in those things, there's no reason to be there, right? 
It's unsafe. So he was able to negotiate an off-market deal for the property. That doesn't mean that the property isn't worth 90 grand. It just means that the seller was so motivated that, hey, listen, I don't want to wait on gentrification. I don't want to buy up more houses and begin gentrification myself because now I take on added liability. What I want to do is liquidate this asset and go move on to a more profitable investment in the now instead of holding this and waiting on the next time, the next year, the future value of this investment. That's how he got it. Add me back to the equation. Here's $53,000 for an asset that if you default on is worth ninety grand. All right? Yes, it's in the middle of the hood, but... The ARV for that area was still 180. All right. Now, of course, other houses that are in nicer neighborhoods are worth way more than 180, 200,000. You might be 400, 500, 600,000. If you go to the nicest parts, you can always find a million dollar house. So, 180 for that market at least was still not the greatest neighborhood, but that's what ARVs were in that area. Guess what? Do you think that you can get that house and sell that house to an investor that is going to uh, fix it up and sectionate it? Absolutely. Absolutely. And then pull some equity out of that plate because when they go do the appraisal, even if it's not the full 180, it's still more than what he got tied up in it. And now he can take that cash out and deploy it into whatever other means he wants to? Absolutely. Absolutely. So, the example here is that it doesn't take money to make money. He gave me value. I understood the value. And I said, you know what? I would like a piece of that value. All right? What he had that was valuable, again, was his knowledge, his expertise, his experience. All right? He getting these properties under contract for no money. He didn't even have to buy the house. He just had the paperwork saying they will sell me the house if I had this, right? That's a piece of paper. And then I got a piece of paper saying that once I do get the house, it is your house unless I give you your money back plus interest. That's paper. You might be riding down the car, right? Riding in a car or in your truck right now. And even if you don't have a lot of money, you can get a piece of paper, Right? You can go on your phone and type up an agreement and then go to Office Max, email it to them and have them print out a piece of paper, right? And, of course, I'm reducing this down for simplicity's sake. Yes, you can go online to resources like uh, Etsy or wherever and download uh, free blanks. Or you can go to his website, and if you just stay there, there's going to be a pop-up that if you give him your name, email address, and phone number, he'll give you his, absolutely free just to put you on the email list, all right? But the point of the matter is that it does not take money to make money. It takes value to make value. If you want money, what do you have that's valuable, all right? Companies pay me for consultations. I don't have to pay any money to do that consultation. My cost for making that consultation or doing it it's simply my time, all right? 
So they give me money in exchange for the knowledge that's in my head. But why? Because if it was that easy, everybody would say, I do consultations now, pay me $750 an hour, like like they pay JT. Or somebody might say, you know what, I don't need $750 an hour, I ain't JT, $50 an hour. All I'm doing is sitting at the house talking on the phone, yeah, give me $50 an hour, I'll do it. Somebody else might say, give me $100 an hour. Somebody else might say, man, give me $25 an hour, and I'll do it. I'll sit at the house talking on the phone for you. 10 hours a day for $25 an hour, tell you everything I know. And what I don't know, I'll pull it up on my phone, Google it, and tell you that too. All right? But the brand equity that I have, all right? They like, know, and trust me. Keep in mind, that's important. All right? And the brand equity that I have. What's the collateral for my consultation? Because it's not like they get a house if I'm wrong. Right, but my reputation that I built up over the years, if I tell you to go right when you should have went left, that's on me. And now, is that $750 an hour, even if you pay me for 10 hours, all right? Is that worth the brand reputation of a multi-million dollar company? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. And we not even going to pretend like it is, all right? So... Ask yourself, if you need money to do something and you don't have the money to do it, what value can you give? And that value is only valuable if the person that can give you what you need recognize and wants that value. I'll give you an example. Hindsight is always 2020. In 2017, when I first started my uh, media company, and I really just started off as a YouTuber. I didn't even have the mindset that it would be a media company at that point yet. But that's what it grew into. If I would have said, hey, listen, I want the best equipment. I'm going to research the best lights, the best mics, the, the best, you name it. $8,000, right? Of course, some people's setups are way more expensive than that. But if I say, hey, listen, $8,000 could get me a fire setup. I will give you 50% of every dollar that this media company makes for life if you give me eight grand today. Guess how many people would have said yes? A whopping zero. Why? I had no social proof. How many YouTube channels start and fail? How many YouTube channels start and never make a dime? Right? I don't have anything to offer you. You're just out of $8,000 and out of a friend because that's probably going to be enough money to end our friendship, right? The point that I'm making here is that if I made that offer now, I can easily raise $80,000 in a day. This is not me being funny. This is not me exaggerating it. I can end this podcast, call 10 people right now, say if you give me eight grand. I'll give you a half of every dime that this company makes, right? I can even call them and say, hey, listen, I'll give you 10% of what this company makes. All right, I'm going to retain 10. I'm going to find nine other people and give them 10. Guess what? Year one, you would have made your money back. You probably would have, oh, if we're talking about every dime, hold on, let me do some quick math. Oh, yeah, you would have conservatively now, 
conservatively quadrupled your investment in 12 months or less, right? That's if you just got a tenth of the media company at the stage that it is now. That's not counting all the projects that we're about to launch that we already have financing for. All the new ventures, that's not counting that 120 play going to a 250 play. I'm not counting future assets. I'm counting in-house money, right? I'm counting in-house money only. Money that I could say, boom, we already been doing this. 8,000, I give you four times that, all nine of y'all, and still have some money left over for myself, right? That's because now I have the proof is valuable now in the eyes of the other person. These same people that I can get 80 grand a day today, right? Well, it'll be nine of them, all right, unless I sold less than that. Uh, but I still could. Um, and I could sell it for more than eight grand at this point anyway. So with nine people, I could still sell it and raise 80 grand at whatever the math will be on that, right? You mathematicians will do it for me. I know somebody was saying, ah, JT math suck, right? Guess what? I'm not the strongest in math, but that's why I hire a team to help me, right? Outside of these conversations. Um, but going back to the point, it's valuable now in the eyes of the other person, right? Even if I said $10,000 to nine people, and I'll give you a tenth of this, it's 90 grand, right? Because that, that math being wrong going to bother somebody, so let me update it. <laughs> so now we're talking 90 grand today. Why? Because now the asset is already worth more than that. They're going to give me 10 grand and hope I don't pay it. It's cool that I'll get four times what I gave you if you do pay me back. But if you don't pay me back, crazy. Crazy. Because we're talking about what is valued at right now. You're taking this money so that you can essentially eight to nine X what you're doing. So even if you're wrong and it doesn't get any better than what it is, we forex our money. If you half right, right? If you half right, plus what we getting, crazy investment, all right? So what do you have that's valuable? Let's say I'm a truck driver because I know a lot of truck drivers have time to listen to podcasts like this, right? Going up and down the road anyway, you might as well feed your spirit and feed your, your intellect, right? That's what I'm here for. So... You say, hey, I'm a truck driver. I own my own truck. I sure wish I could have more money coming in, more trucks, not have to always be the driver. Maybe I love to drive, but I want to be in a situation where if I want to drive, I can. If I don't want to drive, I don't have to drive, and I could still make even more money than I'm making now, right? But I don't have the money to buy other trucks. What can I do? I don't have money to hire people. Right. I don't have the relationships with dispatchers or brokers to have enough freight to make sure that I can consistently keep all of them running. Well, guess what? Is there any dispatcher or broker that you can find that if, in fact, your plan is good enough, they would be willing to partner with you? Right. 
Case in point, if nobody will partner with you on your idea, it's because your argument isn't compelling enough. And that's usually because you don't have enough evidence for them to be confident that no matter what, they're going to get their money back. Right? And even if you're asking them for time, they're going to equate a value for that. They don't want to waste their time. Nobody wants to waste their time. Not if they can help it. So if you say, and shout out to my guy that gave me this, right? He know who he is, but he like to stay low key. Uh, so if he listen to this episode, he'll hear it and know it's him. Um, he said at one point he needed $20,000. Rich man, multimillionaire, but he was cash poor, meaning that he had deployed all of his resources out to work for him, an opportunity presented itself, major opportunity. He only needed 20 grand. Now, he could liquidate one of his assets. He would have been penalized for it, both financially and with the relationship that he has with that person since now he's pulling out of that situation. Or he could raise an additional 20 grand. Here's the conundrum. If he got 20 grand, the ROI would only be big enough to be attractive to him. What's the solution? Instead of having a $20,000 problem, he went and 10x the problem and said, now I have a $200,000 problem, right? Instead of having a personal paying pizza, now I got the biggest pizza known to man. This can fill up almost an entire cafeteria with this one pizza. Huge pizza. We can feed everybody off of this. Everybody can eat. Now when he goes to find people to raise the money, it's not a give me this money so that it benefits just me. It's give me because it benefits we. All right? It's one thing for you to say, hey, JT, I got a hole in my roof. The man that patched roof say he'll go up there and patch that roof for only $4,000. Give me $4,000. If your roof gets patched, who does it benefit? If I don't own the house, if you're not willing me the house once you pass away, right? If I have no equity, no ties, no advantages, right, of you patching or not patching your roof, what incentive do I have, right? We're talking about on the business side because this is a business conversation. We're not talking about personal stuff, right? I hate when people try to tie personal stuff to business stuff when it benefits them. But when the shoe is on the other foot, they never consider it, all right? That's super malicious, whether you're conscious of it or not, all right? So instead of saying, patch my roof for $4,000, why not say, okay, look, I really want this roof patched. It's four grand. I don't have four grand. What in the world can I do to try to get this four grand? Shucks, let me think, let me think, let me think. Hmm. Well, I know how to buy houses for $1,000 or less without using debt, without wholesaling, and you'll get paid just for trying. So even if you can't, buy the house for $1,000 or less for whatever situation. 
Maybe you don't have $1,000. Maybe the opportunity to get it for $1,000, you was too slow getting there because you drug your feet, right? Whatever it is, you could still get paid just for trying. Well, guess what? I'm going to package that up in an ebook, a training course, or whatever it is that I have. And I might have to go up there myself in the interim and put some blue tarp on the roof. I'm going to write this book as fast as possible. I'm going to edit it. I'm going to start promoting the heck out of it. I'm going to target people that want to be real estate investors, but they don't want to deal with the cold calling and getting cussed out and all of the bad stuff that comes with wholesaling. Now, wholesaling is a great business. I know some wholesalers that are killing it, but just like anything, there's good and bad. So I'm looking for the people that want to avoid the bad and still try to retain as much as the good as possible, right? Not only do I want people that don't want to wholesale, I want people that don't want to wholesale that also don't have the credit to go to the bank and get a ton of money. So you don't want to wholesale, you don't want to use your credit or don't have the credit, man... This your only option. So what it's going to look like, right? And then I'm going to deliver. Then I'm going to over-deliver, right? Guess what? In six months, I was able, and I didn't even need to patch my roof, but I, I did create the book, right? How to buy real estate property with $1,000 or less without debt or without wholesaling or get paid just for trying. It's an ebook and an audio book. In six months, that book has generated over $60,000. It's over 10 grand a month. Why? Now, if I would have went and asked those same people that bought the book to give me four grand to patch my roof, they'd have said, man, you're a grown man, bro. That's your problem. You better figure it out. What I look like, the bank. But because I gave them something that's valuable to them for their own selfish reasons, they gladly paid the cost of the book. For you podcast listeners out there, I'll make sure that it's linked in the show notes, right? Audio book version, of course, uh, so that way you can listen to it at your convenience, just like you're able to listen to this at your convenience, all right? Let me write myself a note here just so I don't forget because that's how committed I am to you. So if you're listening to it, it's there, all right? doesn't take money to make money. It takes value to have value. All right? Next point, everybody can't do it. That's what they love to say, right? Everybody can't do it, JT. Everybody can't invest in real estate. Everybody can't make money off of social media. Everybody can't be a private money lender. Everybody, everybody, everybody. Well, guess what? I'm not talking to everybody. I'm talking to you. Not everybody is going to come into contact with me both during my lifetime or even after I'm departed, right? You, not everybody, you, you, right? Not everybody that works a job is meant to be an employee. Some of y'all are there just to learn lessons. However, you're not mentally exposing yourself and you're not receptive enough to your calling to understand that you're in an environment where you're supposed to learn a lesson and move on. And now that's part of the reason why you're struggling because you're not supposed to be there anymore. You were supposed to be there for a season, harvest everything that was in season, and then take that harvest 
to go add value in more places. But yet you stayed there, you got your harvest, and now they suckered you into selling you a harvest that's going to last for forever. And then when it goes out of season, you built your life on that harvest, and now they trapped you. Now they trapped you. You didn't understand about market cycles, how businesses have slow seasons. You designed your lifestyle based off of that paycheck, and you didn't live below your means. Now they trapped you, right? They wanted you to get that nice big house, that nice fancy $100,000 car. Take on as much debt as possible. Live it up. Enjoy life. Why? Because now you need me, right? You're more valuable than you know. But I need to keep you in this box because if I let you out of the box, you might go get this value to my competitors or you might use this value for yourself. In both cases, it don't benefit me. Unfortunately, this is how a lot of businesses operate. If somebody says everybody can't do it, that is the exact reason why you should do it. I tell people all the time the fastest way to make money is to do jobs that other people don't want to do. Fastest way to make money is do jobs other people don't want to do. All right? Identify what you don't like to do, and that's a start. I need a mobile car detailer right now. I travel a lot. I work a lot. My girl always complaining about how dirty the vehicles are. Mobile car. Now, can I wash my own car? Can I vacuum it out? Can I shampoo it? Can I go get new seat covers and make it look like it's dealership ready? Yeah. But I'm not going to because the amount of time that it takes me to do that, I'm not executing. I'm not operating in my zone of genius. That doesn't make me happy. So guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to go online and I'm going to search for mobile car detailers. And hopefully they got a subscription plan. And I can pay them every month to come detail my cars. And then we'll be done with it. That's what I want to do. All right? Everybody can't do it. Great. That's exactly why I'm going to do it. People going to always pay for convenience. And then as I scale and start taking on more difficult things that need to get done, but people don't want to do it, now I can charge more money. Right? That's why a good attorney costs more than a good car detailer. Because they're tackling bigger problems that more people don't want to do. All right? And your business should seek out those opportunities. When people say everybody can't do that, nobody want to do that, I had the pleasure of meeting commercial fishermen that say, hey, they can go make a million dollars in the summer. Ooh, think about it now. What if you can only work the summer for the rest of your life, you and your family, your significant other, your kids, y'all go out on a nice boat, y'all can listen to some music, y'all can talk, y'all can hang out, right? Y'all have all the proper equipment, so it's not like on an episode of Netflix where you got to manually be throwing rods and pulling nets, right? Believe it or not, they got equipment that'll do all of that for you. Now, is it as exciting to press a button and watch all the work get done for you as it would be if you threw the nets and did all the manual labor? No. So, of course, on TV, they're going to make it look as exciting as possible, 
right? But in actuality, you got fish finders, you got equipment, right? You got to maintain that equipment. But if you can work just the summers and take the rest of the year off, if you wanted to, not saying you have to, you can go do something else in the rest of the year. But if you can say, I'm going to make enough money just hustling in the summer to be good for the year. So anything else I decide to do to make money is just cherries on top. Boom, 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 boom. All right? But you know what people going to say? I can't swim. I get seasick. I don't know how to do that. Right? Fantastic. As long as you have those excuses, that's that many more years that I can go make a million dollars a summer and not have to worry about competing with you because you got every reason in the world why that's unrealistic. Right? But I'm telling you from firsthand experience, I know people that do it. And this is not their first year. They've been doing it for forever. And they're going to do it till they die. Right? Or until the Lord makes it so it's incapable for them to do it because of their health, their mind, whatever, you know, if if that's his will. But Lord willing, they're going to make a million dollars a summer for forever. Now they love fishing, so they fish all year round until it gets too cold. Once it gets too cold for it not to be advantageous to fish, they also like dogs, so they dog breeders, right? They actually sold me one of my dogs that I have now. All right. Got me hype about it. Right. Um, so understand that when people say everybody can't do it, bet I want to do that thing, that thing that everybody can't do. Why? Because now I can charge you to do it for you. Everybody can't grow on social media, build a captivating audience and monetize that audience. Well, guess what? That means that I can do it and I can sell that service to businesses. And make millions of dollars a year. Everybody can't cook. Great. That means that I can cook and sell it to all of these people that can't cook. But they want to have a good meal of whatever it is that I'm cooking. All right. Now, can we learn these skills? Absolutely. But mentally, if you say you can't do it or you won't do it. Hey, by all means, those are the businesses that I want to invest in. I want to research that market first. Before I look at the other markets, I want to research that market first and then decide if I want to do something else. That's exactly why you should do them. If everybody could play basketball as good as LeBron James, he would not be a superstar. He would be an average player. If me, you, and everybody else in the NBA, outside of the NBA, if we all could do what LeBron James could do, with the consistency that he does it, there would be no significance in a LeBron James, in a Elon Musk, in a Jeff Bezos, if we all could do the same things at the same level with the same consistency, there would be no value there. That would be average. If everybody can do it, it's no longer exceptional. It's average. And do you want to get paid average or do you want to get paid exceptionally well? Right? I'm talking to the people out there that believe that God created them for an exceptional reason. He wasn't in the business of making extra people. I don't believe that. 
I don't believe that God said, I need one more extra person in this zip code. So I'm going to allow you to be born here or I'm going to allow you to move here or I'm allow you by whatever means to end up in this location because I want this zip code to have this many people in it because I just like that number for no reason at all. No, we serve a God a purpose. So you're created with a purpose. Your job is to find out what that purpose is. Create something, add value, bring them to the glory of God, and you can build wealth along the way. Don't let people criminalize you or make you feel like you're less than a believer by wanting to bless as many people as possible, right? Nor should you let people sell you on, well, I'm going to just pray for them. I'm going to just talk, give them some encouraging words. Now, that does help, but if I am sitting in front of a starving man and I have a feast and they say, man, I am dying of hunger. And I say, I'm going to give you some encouraging words. I'm going to pray that the Lord finds a way for you to get something to eat today, but I don't offer any of my feast, right? That ain't God. That ain't God's will. But yet, people will use these excuses to accommodate their situation. They say, well, I don't have to do it. I can't do that. I'm going to just pray for them. I'm going to just talk to them and give them some encouraging words, right? That might be your opportunity to show God that you're ready for the next level. I'm going to say that again. That might be your opportunity to show God that you're ready for the next level. You say, man, you want to be a millionaire. I'm going to give you a, a, a opportunity to serve somebody because God works through people lots of times, right? So you want to be the master of millions of resources. I'm going to put you in charge of a few hundred resources and see if you're going to be a good manager of a little bit of things. And then if you're good at managing a little bit of things, I get a little more. I get a little more. Eventually I get you what you asked for, but you got to be ready for it. Cause I'm not giving it to you for you to temporarily enjoy it and then lose it. I'm giving it to you for you to have for forever. Amen. Somebody. Amen, somebody. That's the mindset we have as business believers. God blessing us because he want us to enjoy this blessing in perpetuity. He not giving it to us to take it back. He will because he's not going to give us more than what we can bear. So you have that opportunity to bless somebody at that level. But yet you say, nah, I'm not going to do it for X, Y, Z reason. Right? Moving on. Point number six. Slow and steady wins the race. Business requires that you fail fast, frequently, and learn. Let's say that you take 12 months to research how to create a YouTube channel. And I spend 12 months doing a YouTube channel, learning through trial and error, reading books, listening to ebooks, watching YouTube videos on it. But all the while, I'm a practitioner. I am going to be light years ahead of you. 
you're going to know all of the theories, none of the execution. So I'm in year two. I'm already scaling on what I know works. And now you're testing your theory that you learned in year one. All right. Success requires you to fail fast, fail frequently, and learn, right? Point number seven, you can't be making that much money legally. Why not? Why Walmart can't be making that much money legally? Why Target can't be making that much money legally? Why Amazon? Why the gas stations? Why this restaurant? Why this big chain? Oh, all of them can be making that much money legally, but I can't? I believe that there's one God in heaven that if he allowed those men and women to be successful, he'll allow me to be successful as well. Now, I might not have the same path that they have because I may not have the same purpose that they have. But the same God that allowed them to get to where they wanted to go in life will allow me. But I might be called to serve a different people in a different way. So that's why. I personally have to start where I started. I couldn't start with a rich family. I couldn't start with good parents that knew how to do everything right. I had to come up with a parent that tried their best, but they made a lot of mistakes. So that way I could empathize with other people that were raised in that environment and give them encouragement so that they can better themselves because I know how it feels to be beaten and abused and they think that that's just proper discipline. But if I never experienced that, I can give you comforting words, but I can't come to your level and help you gain an understanding so that you can move beyond that mental barrier so that now you can have better relationships with your parents, with your kids, and other interpersonal relationships that go on in your life, right? So I had to start in the hood. I had to start with a little bit of money because my purpose was to help more people in a different way. I don't have the same purpose as Warren Buffett, as Elon Musk, as Jeff Bezos, as LeBron James, as Dwayne The Rock Johnson, as Kevin Hart, as Tyler Perry, as Oprah Winfrey, as all of these people. But you know what we do have in common? It's the same God. The same God that allowed them to be successful, if I keep him first and if I do the work to include learning, right, learning and execution when I say do the work, but if I keep him first, I can eventually get there. Why? Because he did it for them. He did it for them. So knowing that it's possible for them motivates me to know that it's possible for me, Right? So when you say you can't be making that much money legally, right, are you saying that God is showing favoritism amongst his children? Right? He said he's going to take care of us. He said he could pour out a blessing that'll be more than we can bear. Right? So if humans can bear having billions of dollars, because there are humans that are bearing having billions of dollars, how life-changing would that be for you right now? Just think on that. Let's go to the next point. People like us can't do that. That's another point that people make. People like us, they can't do that. Why? Why? Goes back to the point we just made. You started where you started because your purpose is different. Your path had to be different. 
right? Noah didn't have the same calling as Jesus. He didn't. Abraham didn't have the same calling as you do, right? So Joshua, right, got a good friend of mine. He always asks, are you the Joshua of your family? Moses never made it in the promised land, but he took him, right? He delivered him out of the hands of Pharaoh, but he never got to make it into the promised land and lead the people. So my, my brother Chris always asks, are you the Joseph of your family, right? Whatever it is, you have to identify what's your calling. Are you the Joseph of your family? Or, or are you the Moses of your family? As morbid, as unfortunate as it may sound, I tell people all the time that there has to be, if you really want to get ahead, there has to be a sacrificial generation of change. A sacrificial generation of change. What does that mean? That means that if I'm the first generation to ever get me some money, I got to set up three generations. I got to set up me. I got to set up my kids. I got to set up my grandkids. I got to teach my kids why they need to be setting up their grandkids. If the Lord blessed me long enough to be able to see my grandkids, I need to teach them how why they should set up their grandkids, right? Because you can't just give them the assets and give them the money and expect them to magically know what to do with it if you don't teach them why and how, right? So even though... I develop enough financial literacy and acquire enough resources for three generations. I got to say I'm willing to spread it out across those generations instead of saying, you know what? I'm a ball. I'm going to live three generations in one and live it up. All right. I got to be that sacrificial generation of change. So I may be the one that leads my family out and gets them on their way to the promised land, but it might not even be my purpose to get them all the way to it. I might be the Moses of my family. And then after me, there might come a Joshua that's going to actually bring them on cross. My purpose may be just to get it started. Get it started for them, great, great, great granddad. All right? I hope podcasting is still a thing, and they get to, they get to hear this one day. All right. Or somebody shares this message with them. Share this podcast with anybody you think it can help. You never know who it may bless. Right. But whoever you are, you got to have the mindset that people like us can do whatever is required as long as it's the Lord's will. No more of this. People like us can't do that. People like us can do whatever is required as long as it's the Lord's will. That's what people like us do. That's what us business believers do. All right? Let's move on. Point number nine. It don't matter anyway. He's saying you can't take it with you. Right? You can't take it with you. It was never the point. It was never the point. Right? It was never the point to take it with you. Solomon asked for wisdom. Ended up being the wealthiest man of all time. It was never designed to go to heaven with him, but the Lord still gave it to him anyway because that wasn't the point. 
the point isn't to take it with you. The point is to use it to give glory to God and bring as many people to the awareness of him through your gift. What benefit is money in heaven? Who need $100 in heaven and when the streets are gold? When inside our father's house, there's many mansions. Why do I need $100? Why do I need a million dollars? Why do I need a billion dollars where there's no need for a son? Because he's going to like the way. So you can't take it with you. Guess what? I didn't accumulate it to take it with me. I accumulated it to leave an inheritance to my kids' kids. I accumulated it to bless other people. I accumulated it to give more glory as much as possible to the name of God for blessing undeserving men and women like us because none of us is perfect, right? I did it and I left it behind because that's where I need it. I need to leave it behind. I need my generations after me to keep God first and keep running it up. I need us to keep blessing people, right? I need us to let more and more people know that this is how you do business the right way. This is how you buy back your time. And now that you have more time, now you can walk in your God-given purpose. I need that. I don't need to take it with me. It's no good in heaven to me. Even if I could take it with me, what I'm going to buy? What I'm going to buy? If I have a billion dollars in heaven, what what they selling in heaven? What what's for sale? How much gas costs in heaven? Hmm. How how much clothes costs in heaven? How much the food costs? What's the what's the best restaurant in heaven? All right. It's no good there. It does me no good there. All right. I need it here. So when you say, or other people try to downplay you. And say, you can't take it with you. Thank God I can't take it with me. Thank you, God. Why? Because I don't need it. I don't need it there. I need it here. Because if by the grace of God I make it into heaven, maybe what I leave here can help light the path for somebody else to make it in. Because that's my purpose anyway. I need it here. I need to accumulate it here and leave it here for that reason. That's our purpose. Right? So it does matter. And it also matters that it stays here. Right? My tenth and final point is it's not that simple or everybody would be doing it. Biggest lie of a tote. Keep in mind all ten of these points or what does poor people know, or they think that they know, and they look at it as wisdom, but it keeps them from getting rich. Point number one was some money is better than no money. Point number two was rich people not paying taxes is bad. Point number three is business is risky and a job is safe. Point number four was it takes money to make money. Point number five was everybody can't do it. Point number six was slow and steady wins the race. Point number seven is you can't be making that money legally or at least not that much money. Point number eight, people like us can't do it. Point number nine, it don't matter anyway because we can't take it with us. Point number 10 is it's not that simple or everyone would be doing it. These are the fallacies that they feed into you that are so untrue, that are so untrue. It is that easy. 
in business, if you want to make more money, what value do you possess? Who finds it valuable? How can you create a product or service that is the bridge between where they are and where they want to be? What median can you distribute your value in so that they can become aware of it? That's marketing 101. Is it email? Is it social media? Is it TV? Is it radio? Is it guerrilla marketing? Is it bandit signs? Whatever it is. How can you get those men and women to like, know, and trust you? Well, we as humans associate consistency with trust. So doing a lot of marketing is going to help you. So you doing marketing one time and not making a sale and giving up, it was never designed to work like that anyway. All right? And providing real value, not buying trash and then trying to sell trash like it's gold because somebody said buy low and sell high, but providing real value to get real results and then retaining that customer by adding them consistent value. Okay, maybe your goal in listening to me or watching me on social media was to make 10000 Now that you made ten, you want a hundred. Well, I got that too. Now that you made a hundred, you want a million. I got that too. However you want to play it, let's go. Let's go. And when you outgrow me, that's fine. I'll pass you to somebody else. They might tell you how to go to a hundred million, a billion. I ain't there yet. You outgrow me, I got to pass you to them. I wish you the best. Keep God first. Fulfill your purpose. All right? That's all that I ask, and that's all that's required of you. All right? I appreciate your time. Again, you've been listening to the Income Autopilot Podcast, the show that teaches you to stop working and enjoy life while your money works for you. And what we covered in Episode 5 is what door should you go through mentally to get to the next level? Not just in Episode 5, but in a lot of these episodes, we attack your mindset. Right right now, a lot of you all are behind that door of poverty, of economic hardship, and you don't know how to get through to the other side. So these are some things that if you believed any of the 10 things on this list, that now you have a paradigm shift, not because I said so, but because you went on and did your own due diligence, right? If your success is really that important, you'll do it. I love you with the love of the Lord. Till next time, man. Y'all stay hustling.